Ew, what is that? What is that? There's like a dead bee here. Ew. I don't know how that happens. Okay, well I gotta get rid of that. Hold on. Hope it's dead. It's stung by a dead bee. Gross me right out. Okay. Uh, well this looks like it's working anyways. So that's good. Um... I guess let me just go through the motions here a little bit. Welcome back to the Untaxed and Uncollected podcast. With just just me again. Uh, we're hoping that we'll get... Well, actually, let me put it this way. Um, sorry, I'm kind of trying to get oriented here. It's a little bit weird today. So, <laughs> yeah, a couple things. First of all, this might never go out because this is kind of like a tentative... I want to just get it done in case people aren't able to do it Saturday or Sunday. And maybe I'll just release it anyways, who knows. But um, also, maybe the other reason, or the, (laughs) maybe not maybe, but um, I'm kind of doing this because the internet's out and I got nothing better to do. I can uh, just keep on playing games on my Nintendo Switch, which I'm bored of at this point because I've been doing that already a fair amount uh i do have internet on my phone which is lucky because that means i can pull up the google doc that has the podcast topics document um and yeah i guess we'll just get into it i mean the most notable thing today obviously is the internet being out for all roger services uh at present it doesn't seem like there's been an answer as to why um i've seen a lot of chatter online though like i you know (laughs) i hear about this and the first thing i do is you know try and see what people are saying about it uh there's a lot of people saying you know like incompetence of rogers like how in the world can this happen um people wanting more internet service providers um which would probably be a good thing, I guess. I don't actually know how I feel about that. Like, technically, there are... Well, I guess for cell phones, there's a lot more. But um, really, they're just using the big two companies, uh, you know, cell towers and stuff. Which, actually, <laughs> I had a couple people come up to me today. Like, we, we were out at the camp, and I'll, I'll talk about that uh, definitely during this. But, um, yeah, while I was talking with people, I was like, oh yeah, I'm on Fido and it's not working, and I'm on uh, TELUS and it is working, and it's like, well, Fido uses Rogers Towers, TELUS uses Bell Towers, and I think actually TELUS fails over to Rogers Towers, I might have some kind of deal like that. Um, I think Virgin is Bell Towers also, I don't really know many other ones, if I'm being honest, Uh, but it is interesting, yeah, basically like, you know, those two are kind of like the big ones and it doesn't really make sense like, you know, Fido or TELUS or any of these things. I think TELUS is actually maybe working on building their own infrastructure, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you can cut a deal with a company that's already got like cell towers all over the country, like why in the world are you going to go out there and build, you know, cell towers? <laughs> like that's, it's an expensive venue or venue venture to uh to try and do um but yeah so that's uh that's one of the things that people are saying is that yeah we need more isps internet service providers because um then 
you know, people can't take out literally half of the people in the country just by, uh, you know, whatever happened today. And I guess we'll find out about that. Maybe. Who knows if we'll really find out. Um, but even more scary, you know, in that same vein is that what if there was an attack like what happened? If this was an attack, what if there was an attack on both Rogers and TELUS at the same time? And all of a sudden, the entire country doesn't have internet. Like, you know, we aren't really prepared to not have internet, um, at all. <laughs> I mean, some of the crazy stuff that was happening today, it's like, uh, you know, oh, I mean, I, I, even I'm guilty of this. I, you know, I didn't have to go anywhere today, but on the way into the camp, I was thinking like, oh yeah, I'll grab a coffee maybe. And it's like, well, wait a second. I've got, you know, my credit cards and actually apparently credit was working today, which I found out later on in the day. But, um, yeah, it depends on what system and, you know, where they were at. But if they were using point of sale systems that were connected through Rogers internet, then, or Rogers phone lines potentially, because I think some of them actually go through phone lines, then those wouldn't work. But credit can work even without internet, maybe, or without the, you know, service. Um, but yeah, essentially like people are just like ill-prepared in the sense that like, we're almost a cashless society, or at least, you know, a lot of people operate as if we are. I, I do, um, I'm for sure guilty of that. Uh, and therefore, you know, I, I went out this morning and I was like, oh, well maybe I will get coffee. And then I remembered that the internet was out and it's like, well, I'm not even going to be able to like, and actually I did, <laughs> I looked at my wallet. I did have uh 30 bucks in cash because, uh, Angelo gave me 30 bucks when I, you know, we like split a bill or something, but I, I paid in and then he paid me back. So, um, yeah, I did have cash, but 90% of the time I either don't have cash or I have like five to $10 and that's like, you know, emergency fund in case I get stranded somewhere and need to take a bus or some stupid thing. Um, so yeah, it, like it really outlines like the flaws. I mean, that's, you know, a maybe relatively minor thing compared to some other things because also 911 services were down in many places um and then there's also like you know more superficial things like i'm sitting at home right now i'm like oh well you know i just just got home from camp i want to you know go on youtube just watch some videos go on netflix go on disney plus anything and it's like oh i can't i can't even actually access any of my games on steam because they need to well actually i haven't actually tried that i think i can't but maybe i could um a lot of services anyways make you authenticate against their servers uh something like every 24 hours and i for sure didn't have my computer on yesterday or the day before so uh i likely can't but i can't say for sure but anyways i was uh i was out at the camp this week anyways and i was out at the camp today uh, so it really wasn't that big of a deal to me. Like I was going to be on cell service anyways, and I'm on TELUS, which is Bell, which means that I had, you know, data when I needed it. And I, well, I guess I used it a fair amount actually, uh, largely because I was looking into like, you know, what the heck is going on? When is the network going to come back up? But I also wanted to look up other pod, oh, sorry, other podcast topics and, and stuff to talk about. Um, and I'll get into those. Uh, what else were people saying, though? There was another thing that was, like, fairly common. I mean, there is the, uh, you know, oh, we should get a rebate for, you know, the, the downtime, which is fair. 
but it'll likely like i think i read someone say something along the lines of like it'll be a 75 cent rebate or some stupid thing like it it's true that you should get you know some amount back especially because it's like all services right so if you're paying i don't even know what like i (laughs) i'm uh ill prepared to talk about internet rates and, and all that kind of stuff because um i went straight from my parents paying for my phone to my company paying for my phone or you know i i have a company owned phone that's you know they're not paying for well i guess they are kind of pay because i use my phone for personal and professional but anyways um yeah i use it for professional stuff and therefore that's why it's paid for by the, by my uh employer and also, therefore, I don't really know what a good or bad or whatever rate would be for uh, for a cell phone plan. But let's just say, uh, I don't know, 50 bucks a month, right? If you're paying 50, no, actually, let's make it easy, uh, 60 bucks a month. <laughs> if you're paying 60 bucks a month and, uh, you know, the service has been down for a full day, just for your cell phone, you should be getting $2 back. That would make sense because... You know, essentially one thirtieth of sixty is is two bucks, right? Uh, and that's not even counting people that have multiple services, right? So if you're also paying for TV and internet at home, and maybe even a home phone, if you're a crazy person that wants to have that still, um, all of a sudden, like I could easily see that being like ten bucks, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, seems kind of insignificant. Uh, it would probably hit rogers relatively hard if everyone actually followed them or followed them uh followed up on that or maybe it just goes directly off of your next bill or something like that but you know uh, that's fairly steep for them to have to deal with um so there's that there was also a couple of people online saying that they wish that the canadian government would kind of investigate these kinds of issues as much as they investigate Uh, or not investigate as much as they're kind of pushing things like bill c11 which i might have talked about on the podcast but essentially bill c11 is the current government's plan to regulate what people see on the internet specifically like what canadians see on the internet um largely similar to the idea of you know what happens with the radios right so with the radio there's uh they, they need to show like 70% of, or not show, they have to play like 70% of their stuff has to be Canadian music. Uh, it's probably like an economic decision as well as other things because if you push Canadian music to Canadians, then they're going to buy more Canadian music or they're going to listen to and blah, 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 blah. Like it boosts maybe artificially, but it boosts the popularity of songs that are Canadian made hopefully pushing them also more onto the world stage and therefore and maybe the same idea is true for bc bill c11 where it it could have the effect of hey it pushes more canadian stuff generally on youtube to myself or to anyone that watches youtube um and therefore it'll boost the popularity of those canadian uh creators and because of that it will you know, the, the money stays within Canada, right? So can, Canadian creators being more wealthy or being more, uh, not wealthy, uh, being more popular on the world stage is good because that means that there's money flowing in from other places to there, or not even directly, right? It's not like people are paying for 
for that stuff on YouTube, or some people are. There's, you know, YouTube Prime or not YouTube Prime, YouTube Premium, YouTube Red, whatever they call it now. Uh, so some people directly pay into it. It's similar with Twitch, right? You can you can subscribe to people. So theoretically, money flowing into Canadians that are creators uh, then gets taxed, and therefore it helps us economically. So in a complete vacuum, I guess that makes a lot of sense. The problem is, you know, imagine uh, it's kind of hard because like the radio is so different, but uh, like with YouTube, right? Like, okay, on on the radio, I tune to a station, let's say it's, uh, I can't even remember, like Q107 or Q105. I don't even know what it is, but the that station, uh, which is like rock, right? It's like old school rock. Uh, and then there's another station that's like alternative music and there's another station that is pop music and maybe there's a, you know, there's a bunch of different stations and you kind of know what you're getting when you go to that station. And so those stations within the limitations that have been put in place by the Canadian government, uh, have to put on a certain amount of their music as Canadian music. I don't actually know if it's 70%, but it's something along those lines, you know, let's just say for the sake of it, that it's 70%. Um, so they can, you know, on the alternative station, they can put on more alternative Canadian, uh, bands and, uh, the same for the eighties rock or whatever, you know, the, the rock station, they can put on more Canadian old school rock, like, uh, rush, I guess. And (laughs) I don't know who else is from Canada actually, because they're really not, you know, it, it doesn't make that much of a difference to me where the people are from. Um, but essentially, I still know if I go to the rock station that I'm going to be getting rock music. Um, and maybe if this is done correctly on YouTube and on all these other things, which I guess would be more up to YouTube to solve than anything else. Uh, essentially, the the best case scenario is that, you know, if I'm someone that goes on YouTube and I want to watch stuff that's, you know, to do with gaming, right? I want to, I want to watch a video about... Uh, the new Assassin's Creed or some other stupid thing, uh, then ideally the system will just push more Canadian-made content within the same bounds that I would already watch, right? So that would that would be good. Uh, but if it just starts pushing Canadian content above everything else, so let's say if there's like a lack of Canadian uh, makeup artists or something on the system, And so it can't quite hit the threshold that's been set in place for, you know, whatever, uh, just with makeup artists. And someone is basically only into that kind of stuff, makeup art, maybe makeup tutorials. I have no idea. Uh, Something like that, right? Um, So it can't quite hit the threshold like that. Now, all of a sudden, someone that wants to go onto YouTube to look up makeup tutorials or because they, you know, they just like that kind of content um, is going to get, let's say, 30% of their stuff is like Canadian makeup artists, tutorial things, whatever. 30% is, uh, or no, 40% therefore, if it's like a 70%, if it's anything like the the radio, if that's even the number, uh, maybe 40% of it then is just random other Canadian content that the algorithm thinks this might maybe just fit within what you want. Or you like it's it's not what you want, but maybe it's stuff that's related enough that you might maybe want to watch it. Uh, and it's Canadian, so we have to show this to you. And then the other thirty percent might also be makeup tutorials from 
you know, let's say the UK or the US or anywhere else in the world, right? Uh, and maybe those are like the ones that you were already watching and therefore want to continue watching. Um, so essentially, it, it can just mess with things. And that doesn't, like on YouTube, that doesn't help anyone because the person that um, is getting their content shown and you're not clicking on it, that actually hurts them uh, everywhere because like there, there's statistics that they, that, you know, boost or don't boost your channel. And if someone sees your video and doesn't click on it, that's actually bad for you compared to just them never seeing it. <laughs> so you kind of want to, uh, to play to your own, you know, niche or niche or whatever on, on these systems. Um, so there's that. And then there's also, you know, the potential, even if the system is completely well thought out and it really goes well, there is the potential for, whatever government is in, in place at the time uh, to censor detrimental opinions or uh, what's not detrimental, uh, you know, like uh, opposing opinions, right? So it, 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 can, it can be done on either side, which is why I don't want to say like, you know, the liberal government can do this because the liberal government currently could do this or not currently because it's not actually been passed through Senate yet. And there's a whole conversation to be had about that. Um, sorry, <laughs> but, uh, either way, yeah, the, the conservative government, if they ever get back in power could equally use that same power to censor, you know, whatever they would like to. So all of a sudden, you know, the pendulum swings one way for the liberal, liberal government. And maybe they say that anything that they deem as transphobic, uh, cannot be shown on Canadian YouTube. And so all of a sudden, you know, some people like maybe Jordan Peterson, maybe Ben Shapiro, maybe like anyone, right? Um, they can just be censored because of that. They, you know, don't show this stuff because we deem it, the Canadian government deems it to be something and they can put whatever label they want on it and blah, 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 blah. And suddenly they're not being shown. Um, but equally, the pendulum swings the other way. All of a sudden... The conservative government, if they want to, can use that same power and say something along the lines of, like, we deem uh, LGBTQ or maybe just one of those, you know, acronym letters to be, um, you know, close to grooming or something like that. Like, they can, essentially, you can kind of just play the, play the game, right? And therefore, we want to censor other people. And I don't even know who that would be. But all of a sudden, other people might be able to be completely taken out of Canadians' sight, right? You know, sweep them under the rug. Um, and to say that that doesn't have a major impact on, uh, on like, the way people would vote is foolish, right? <laughs> Not to say that... Um, well, no, it is kind of, I guess. Like, the, the media that people consume normalizes things within the collective consciousness of the overall like society so the more people that or the more things that are being pushed you know, this probably wouldn't happen but uh the more that you see i don't even know it doesn't even matter i don't know where i'm going with this but um things can definitely be normalized or stigmatized based on the the media that is allowed or not allowed on the internet and, and therefore allowed to be seen and, and shown and all that kind of stuff um it's just it's interesting i don't really know <laughs> where else to go with that um okay 
Let me get into a couple of other things here. I actually don't have a ton on the podcast topic stock, so I'll just go down it and kind of see where we end off. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, I guess I should say it's, you know, super late into the podcast to say this, but um, we didn't do a podcast on Sunday. Uh, On this past Sunday, we were at camp because it was the first day of kids camp and I'll talk about that. I'll actually talk about that next. I won't even get into the podcast topic stock yet. Um, we were at camp. So that was the first day, uh, myself, Megan, Ashley, Elizabeth, and a couple of other people that, uh, are not part of the podcast, uh, were doing worship and I was doing like the, the projection and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, so we went from that, and then we went to Megan's house to watch the season finale of Stranger Things Volume 4, which I might talk about, but if I do, I'll talk about it at the end so that there's, you know, no spoilers. Um, sorry, a virus threat protection summary just came up on the on the recording computer. Uh, so we went and did that, and I was kind of, like, I wanted to maybe do a podcast right after that to kind of get, like, fresh opinions, but right after that was, like, past midnight on a Sunday night um so that was super not gonna happen um even though like you know myself Megan Ashley were just doing camp this week like you know I wasn't working Ashley's doing school Megan I guess took the week off probably um so it was feasible that we could have done one but it it was also late and after watching that uh, that season finale, I was kind of tuckered out anyways, I'll be honest. Um, we actually had uh, Elizabeth and Emily had not seen the uh, any of Stranger Things. They, they were like kind of fresh. <laughs> I guess uh, they both kind of said that they had watched a couple of episodes or like maybe they'd watched like some, but you know, some things were familiar. Maybe they've seen like memes or whatever, but um, the, the first episode, you know, real experience with the show was the season four finale, which is just wild that, uh, that they did that. (laughs) So, uh, you know, good on them and maybe that'll, they'll want to actually watch the rest of the show after that. Who knows? Um, yeah, let me talk about kids camp for a bit. So Pine Orchard kids camp happened this past week. That's where myself, like I said, all those people were kind of helping out, uh, Derek Rose Greg was uh, was helping with uh, well not helping he's like one of the two leaders of the of the camp uh, along with Trisha um, Greg <laughs> and they uh, they did a great job um, kids camp it's crazy like it it's changed a lot and it's really stayed the same in a lot of other ways um, it's familiar it like it definitely has changed. And, you know, it's kind of weird. You look on, you look at stuff and you're like, oh, well, we used to do this that way. But I wouldn't say that the changes that have happened are like bad or good. They're just kind of like, well, not maybe good. Like some of them are good, actually. Uh, but they're just kind of changes. Like it's it's a new generation and some things will be lost along the way, right? I'm sure the people when I was doing kids camp uh, probably said very similar things about it. Um, but it, yeah, it was a, it was a really good week. Um, it seemed like everyone really enjoyed it. It's, it's actually crazy as well, because this was the first time like last year and the year before there was no kids camp. 
So there was three years worth of people that had never been to kids camp uh, starting this year, which is, you know, it's incredible. And it like, it was full, just like it, it always is. They, they had, um, they didn't have any more room for anyone else as far as I could tell. Um, so that's, that's awesome that that happened. You know, it's, it's still popular. People still want to go. Uh, and we even had people saying like, yeah, I loved it. And I'm going to bring my friends next time. And you know, that, that's also good. That's how the, you know, that's how, how it's always grown is, uh, people that really enjoy kids camp and and they want to not only come again but actually bring their friends with them next time so that was super encouraging um the days are still you know breakfast in the morning and then they got morning service uh what do they do crafts after that the crafts this year were crazy they had uh well you know some of them were crazy they had a lot of good ones but they had um like a lot of classics uh or at least maybe not classics, but like regular kind of stuff. Like Ashley was helping with helping. She led a craft where uh, people made clay things. I think one of the days they were making earrings. I don't know if it was like every day they made earrings or if they just did them the last day. But every day she would come back into our cabin with these things that the kids had made and put them in the toaster oven and it smelled awful. So that was that was a cool craft. I was really happy with that one. Um, one of my cousins, well, actually one of my cousin's husband, um, was leading a craft that was, uh, it, I don't, I didn't actually really get to see them, but they made like these little video game console things, I guess, which is also super, super cool. Uh, I wish that they had that when I was, when I was in camp, cause that would have been just so rad. Um, they had go-karts, I think. Tim and my uncle Ed were leading that one. I think I'm actually not positive. Maybe it was just uncle Ed actually. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, it was probably just Tim. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they did that and that was, you know, kind of a blast from the past. Well, actually it wasn't even that long. Like uncle Harold used to do that. I'm not sure if there was a couple of years where he didn't do that. Um, and then obviously there was a couple of years where there was no camp, and um and now it's been picked up by uncle ed and uh yeah that's it's super cool i think the like the go-kart is always like a super fun thing for the kids to do um it's just so sad like you know you you spend the week building the go-kart you get to kind of ride it around for like a couple hours or like a day a day sorry i got the hiccups for some reason um and then they got a like they they don't get to keep it right and a lot of the other crafts it's like oh man it's so cool and then you like take the thing home uh the best you can do with the go-karts is like get a picture of you and your friend or whoever is helping make it uh in the go-kart and then it's just the memories of of that right but it was i will say um the way that it used to be when you would make go-karts with uncle harold was just kind of like he had a bunch of wood some random wheels uh like of assorted sizes and and shapes um he had like a bunch of nuts and screws and bolts and whatever else and a whole mess of power tools (laughs) and he basically just said yeah go for it like figure it out you'll uh, you guys will be able to make something uh so it was very archaic uh there was always cool go-karts or you know carts i guess i don't even know what you call it. it's like they're not motorized so it's more like um 
what are those things called? They do like races. Um, it's some weird name like milk carton, but it's not milk carton. Uh, but yeah, they're they're more like that because um, yeah, it's it's kind of just like you get pushed around in it. Uh, but there, yeah, there was always cool uh, designs when we used to do it back then. Uh, but it was definitely more like, you know, just figure it out. And sometimes people didn't figure it out that well. I think there was a race at the end of the week also where you would kind of go just down the hill beside that cottage, which was like almost no distance at all. Um, and whichever one got there the fastest was like, you know, it didn't matter. Like you're not winning anything, but it was kind of cool. Uh, and then, yeah, the same as now, like you would, once you're done, just leave the cart there. And I guess either he would take it apart or, or whatever, like somehow the parts would just go back into, into the system for next year. Right. Uh, this year though, or this time, and I don't know if they did this the last time the kids camp was happening, but, um, yeah, the go-karts are, uh, like they were kind of all the same design. So it was probably more, you know, not like Ikea, obviously, but, um, I'm guessing that they have just pieces of wood and it's more of like the experience of building it, like more like a Lego set, right? Where, okay, now we're going to do this and everyone kind of follows along, like very, very formulaic, which is a really good way to do it. Like that's, I'm not criticizing either way because I think that they're both super, super cool. Um, I think that this way is probably better for, you know, people that would have no idea. And actually that's kind of maybe this generation, right? A lot of people are more used to having clear cut instructions put in front of them than just arbitrarily trying to figure out how to do something, which is actually, I don't know, like maybe I shouldn't say this generation. I have no idea if it's like a generational thing or not, but like, I always find it fun to kind of like, you know, challenge myself. Like, Hey, I just want to figure out how to do this thing. Like how hard would it be to do this without like, clear-cut instructions or with like minimal you know kind of supervision um (laughs) actually the most notable example of that is when we would play board games online uh myself and john and some of the other guys uh and i would just refuse to read the rules uh which is stupid because i would lose but it's kind of like an interesting experience because you like you lose and you learn from you know just kind of okay well what happened there how did this like how did i get points where did i get points from um it like you kind of work backwards towards the rules of the game instead of working forwards from the rules to try and actually play the game right uh so i would just click on like random buttons and stuff and then eventually uh through multiple losses you figure out how to do it um but I don't really know a good example. Like, obviously, the go-kart would be a good example of that, where it's like, you know, hey, take some pieces of wood. You'll figure it out. You know, cut some stuff up. If it doesn't look right, then do it again. And uh, and eventually, you'll kind of build something that probably works, right? I don't know if that's, like, <laughs> if that's a good thing, if that's, like, something that people really like to do, if that's unique to me. You know, that, that kind of experience of I... It's it, it's probably like a stubborn thing as well, like a bullheaded. I just want to learn this myself, um, because obviously, like now, today's day and age, you can literally like, if I said I want to learn how to play the bagpipes, I could probably go out buy bagpipes, which is expensive. But then I could go on YouTube and I could probably find like a sixty-part series outlining from 
you know, first putting your hands on bagpipes all the way to playing like the most advanced nonsense ever. Um, because it's just, it's so available, right? Um, or I could just randomly like fumble away at bagpipes for probably significantly longer and probably not be as good at it at the end of the day, but it would be an interesting experience to just randomly try and do things and see what works, right? I mean, that's <laughs> probably how these things originally happened, right? The first person to pick up a, a guitar or a stringed instrument, uh, well, the first person to create one probably was the one that strummed it, but like it was probably a lot of trial and error to make it correctly and then also, you know, okay, now that I've got this thing that makes notes, what do I actually do with it? You know, you kind of just play around with it and you, you figure it out. Um, yeah, that, that's a pretty crazy tangent that I just went on from, from go-karts. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think that they had photography. I remember back in the day, photography was like the, I'm too cool to do any of these crafts. I just want to get a camera and then go hang out with my friends, uh, craft. So I tried to take that, but I took it during the wrong year when photography meant photography and scrapbooking. And that sucked because... Well, okay, I, I shouldn't be so harsh on it, but the problem was that the photography part ended up being just the first day because you had to get all your pictures, like, developed, right? You had to get them ready to go so that you could then put them in a scrapbook. Um, so it kind of cut short the part that I enjoyed and then, uh, you know, made, like, really long the other part that I was like, I don't really care. Like, I don't want to put this stuff in a scrapbook, like, Maybe I still have that. I should look around to see if I have that scrapbook because that would be pretty interesting. I, I'd like to see what, you know, weird pictures I ended up getting in a day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't think that they had anything really akin to that this year. Uh, and also, it's kind of such a different... Like back then when I was... <laughs> when photography was a thing, it's like... Yeah, you know what? Maybe I might have had like a Motorola Crazer, like a, you know, the kind of flip phone where like you could take pictures with it, but it'd be real grainy. Uh, meanwhile, they'd give you like, you know, just a wind up camera, but those things, you know, the, the quality of the pictures that you can get out of a wind up camera is as good as anything you can get now, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I actually don't know how all that stuff works, but I, I feel like if you got a negative of a picture, um, then you can probably get pretty decent quality out of it. Someone tell me if I'm completely not correct about that. Um, so yeah, there's crafts, then there's lunch, uh, then there's swimming, sports, tuck, and I'm not sure what order those are in, but uh, there's like three groups. It's like the youngest, the middle, and the oldest or whatever, and they kind of just go from thing to thing. Uh, so you start with one one day, and then I think it alternates. So like... If I start with swimming today, then tomorrow I would start with sports, and then the day after I would start with tuck, and then you kind of just go through the three uh, after that, and it's an hour each. After that, I think they got like a slight amount of free time, and then they go for dinner, and then a little bit more free time, and didn't... Oh yeah, they do dinner theater now, which is kind of... Or not... not oh yeah, they do, they do dinner theater before dinner, then they do dinner... Then they have free time. Then they go to the tabernacle for, uh, oh, what did they used to call that? Vespers. We used to call it Vespers. They don't call it, I don't think they call it Vespers anymore. Maybe they do. I didn't, I didn't really hear anyone say Vespers this week, but 
maybe that's still a thing. Um, and by the way, uh, Becky was the, uh, I guess, evangelist. I don't really know what you call it for like kids ministry, if it's still evangelist or not. But she was the one that was kind of like the speaker this week. She did a, a great, great, like really good job. Um, yeah. And, and so that, there's that. And then they go from that to uh, campfire. And then after campfire. Oh, actually, there's, there's snack in between. Which snack used to be um, after campfire. And like, <laughs> okay, personal opinion, take it or leave it. Snack used to be way better, but it was way, way, way more of a hassle for the cabin leaders. Um, like you'd have like, you know, really good uh, snacks and they would also give you like a, a thing of juice and you like cups for your cabin or whatever. Um, and then you would bring that stuff back to your cabin after campfire, which was like... You know, it was really nice because people could kind of take it at their own pace or whatever. But it was also such a pain. Like, uh, even when I was a camper, I didn't really like the, you know, the messiness of it. Because, like, some of the snacks that you would get, like, we had pizza one night. Uh, and that's a whole tradition that uh, that died. Like, not when Trisha and Derek took over, but long before that. But, um, yeah, there was always pizza was Thursday nights. And that was like, man, we're going to try and eat pizza on our beds with our sleeping bags. Like what a what a bad idea um and then the juice is another story because that's just sticky and it gets everywhere right like you know the kids can't help themselves from getting juice on their hands somehow and so it gets all over everything in the room and yeah just uh like obviously this way of doing things is better the way that it currently is but uh you know it, it definitely there was there was some charm to the old way it's the same as like, you know, way back in the day there was uh, in the CYC dorms, uh, which is like this older building that has no insulation. And, you know, the, I think the guys always get stuck with it. Um, there used to be like the walls only went up a certain distance. And um, apparently I've heard stories that they would like the guys would throw water balloons over the walls into like the ad adjacent dorms and like have water balloon fights in the area where they sleep and it's just like <laughs> that's so ridiculous like it it's such a good story and like i feel like i i mean if i would have grown up during that time as well it's kind of like a it's a different age a different time if, if that would have happened when i was in camp i would have been ticked off because it's like man now i gotta sleep in a soggy bed like what the heck but um yeah, like everyone talks about that kind of stuff. Like it's just hilarious and it was so much fun. So it probably was back then, right? It's the same as now. Like I doubt that anyone would want to do some of the stuff that I'm talking about, like old camp stuff, but uh, it was really fun back then. Um, and speaking of old camp stuff, the uh, I remember, I don't remember a lot, but I remember that um, Thursday night of camp, which was like, you know, the second to last night, which actually... I definitely don't like this as much unless they used to do it when like maybe I'm misremembering, but I think they did a Thursdays. They would have the cabin leader trainee just take over the cabin for the night. The cabin leaders would go uh, like off the campgrounds. They would go watch a movie or like maybe go out for dinner or something. Um, and that was kind of it. Like that, that's just how thursday night used to be and i i will say like a hundred percent i think that the way that they do it now is better because thursday night's kind of like the night that people open up and like you know th that's the night where 
if anything is going to happen in terms of like a radical change for a kid or for even the cabin leaders or for anyone, uh, it's going to be Thursday night because that's, you know, it's the last night of camp. People really want to, you know, kind of stay up all night and talk. And, you know, these are the friends that I've made all week and I'm not going to be able to see them for another year. And so, you know, you kind of, you just get into it. Right. Um, so definitely having the cabin leader around for that is much better, but, um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's an interesting thing to kind of think about. Like my first year that I was a cabin leader trainee, I was, it was back when, uh, Holly and Donna did like that camp, which is like the, the old way that's, you know, the last year of the old way of, of kids camp. Um, and so there was a lot of differences then. And then, uh, Scott and Diana took over and it was kind of like a radical shift in terms of how a lot of stuff went. Um, the most notable and the one that everyone kind of really talked about was that they disallowed pranks at the campfire. Um, and there was like a whole bunch of, you know, fun campfire pranks that we used to do. Uh, and it was, I will, I'm kind of mixed on it. I, I agree with the sentiment, um, of like, you know, oh, well, we don't want, you know, new kids to the camp to, uh, feel like they're being ostracized or feel like they're, you know, being singled out or picked on or whatever. Um, I think that there was a lot of people that really took it in step and, and took it as good fun. Uh, in the pranks, you know, for reference was stuff like, you know, you'd have like a girl sitting on either or two girls, I guess, sitting like one on one side and one on the other side. It looked almost like a, a bench because they had like, uh, a cloth draped over between two chairs and so it'd be, you know, you have to give your best pickup line, then you get to sit between the girls. And then, you know, a kid would go up and say something stupid. And then the girls are like, yeah, you can sit here. And then they sit down and it just falls out from under them. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, it's just stupid stuff like that. And everyone laughs. And if the person takes it in stride, then they laugh as well. And, and it's all good. Um, and usually the people that wouldn't take it in stride just wouldn't put their hands up because it is like, it's not like you say you, you're coming up here, right? Um, so I remember like, you know, Angelo, my brother would always put his hand up for the pranks because he wanted like, he wanted the attention maybe, but he wanted to kind of just be involved. It was like a, it was a fun thing. Uh, but I do understand. I think that it's kind of, it's a, it's a tough sell, especially in today's day and age. Like you really don't want people to feel like they're being bullied and it's a similar thing to like the water balloons in the cyc dorm where it kind of when it was originally being phased out it felt like well what what are we doing here you know we can't even do pranks anymore this is ridiculous but now you know 10 or more years past it i don't actually know how long it's been but probably around then um I don't really think that they would fit with the way that, uh, that things are in the world anymore, if I'm being honest. Like even the, you know, there, there was tame ones and there was like really aggressive ones there. I, I always liked, uh, Ooga Booga, which is just like, you know, someone, one of the cabin leaders would like, you know, do, do this whole elaborate thing where it's like, you know, twirling around a stick. And then, um, at the end of it, you get the person to sit down, uh, and you do that like two or three times. And then the third time, someone just puts a little cup of water under where the person's going to sit down, like a little plastic, uh, no styrofoam cup. So that like squishes and then they get water on their butt and it's like, ha everyone's laughing. It's so funny. And it's like, so it's harmless. Right. But, um, you just never know, right. Uh, what, what can be harmless and what can, and cannot nowadays. So 
I don't know. I think uh, I think that they're fun. It's it's sad that they're not happening at all anymore. Maybe they are. I I didn't really see like the the extent of it at this point is basically just kangaroo court, which is exclusively for the cabin leaders um, now as well. Which maybe I think that actually was always how it was. I'm pretty sure the kangaroo court was always you know kind of, but it was more like the the kids leading or whatever i I don't know kangaroo court is kind of consistent with how it was and and how it is except i will say that there was a lot more you know extreme things back then um i remember one of the cabin leaders you know back when i went to kids camp uh talked it was like oh you talk too much and they like put socks in their mouth or something maybe it wasn't like i'm sure it wasn't like dirty socks maybe it wasn't actually in their mouth maybe it was like I think it was in their mouth, though. I don't know. <laughs> and it was like they had to stay like that for the whole kangaroo court. Um, yeah, just uh, just radically different time um, that we were that we were in. But uh, yeah, that's that's kids camp, I guess. It's it's still good. <laughs> Highly recommend. If you got kids, send them to send them to Pine Orchard next year. People people still love it. Thing good things are still happening out there. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's definitely had a, had a major impact on my life back that same year, actually, that I was talking about the first year that I was a cabin leader trainee was really when I started taking my faith seriously. And it was because of kids camp. It was like, I was in a, I don't know if I would say like a bad state or a bad like place, but I was kind of like, you know, it was my, I had just gotten out of my first year of high school. I think I'm pretty sure first year of high school going into my second year, um, kind of a loner. Like I, I had a couple of, like, I, I was still hanging out with people from public school that went to my high school. Um, I had kind of started talking with a couple of people, uh, actually just, uh, Andrew, Andrew Brittenall that, uh, you know, I, I had met him around school and I was, you know, we, we hung out a little bit. We both knew that, you know, the other was a Christian. So that, that was cool. And, uh, but I really wasn't like, you know, all that sociable. Um, I was pretty active in like, you know, just online uh, communities, I guess. Uh, I had joined this one that was like this Pokemon, uh, I don't even know, like not fan thing, I guess. But it was kind of, it was like this thing where people were like hunting glitches or something in, in this Pokemon game. and uh, But it was not like exclusively that. That was like the reason that people went to that site was because of that. But like I would go on and I would log on to this chat room like every day and people were just talking. It was like, like that was probably the most sociable that I got during that period of my life was just like talking with these random people that I had no idea who they were. Um, but yeah, like it, obviously that wasn't like a good place for a person in grade nine to be in. Right. Um, and I went to camp, I kind of begrudgingly went, and the messages and the experience of being a, a leader and, like, a lot of stuff really just, uh, well, the ex- actually, I will say, the experience of being a leader at that camp pushed me to try harder to be better. Um, and because I was trying harder to be better, all of a sudden it was like, well, you know what? I got to like actually take things seriously. And if I'm taking things seriously, all of a sudden I like got a lot more out of it. You know, like I'm in service and usually I wouldn't be paying attention, but now I've got to pay attention so that I can 
you know, be a good example for the kids in my cabin. And because I'm paying attention, I'm actually actually getting something out of it. And because I'm getting something out of it, I'm like, you know, the kids are also, you know, they're like watching me. They're watching me and Mark Kellington, the, the cabin leader at, uh, at that time. Um, and it, it was like, it was just good. It was, you know, it was a, it was a good experience. And I, I don't know if this was the year or if it was another year when, like, I remember the, the most impactful year in terms of like Jody, uh, green street was like the, the person that would always do what, what Becky did this year. Um, and she would do this thing where she would like dress up. I, apparently actually Becky was saying she still does it. Um, but she would like dress up as like Bible characters. Um, and every year it'd be a different character. It was like always really cool. You know, Oh, whose story are we going to hear this time? Um, and one of the years she was John, uh, from the Bible, like John, um, the one that Jesus loved, what, what, whichever one. And she told the story of like, you know, the, the crucifixion and, uh, they played no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. And like, everyone was crying and I like it, it was, it, I don't know. Like it just, it definitely hit, um, it, it hit me in a way that I hadn't really even considered at, at that point. Like, you know, this, this was like an agonizing experience and like, I don't just like, yeah, I can just like, I can close my eyes and I can remember like parts of that message because it was just so impactful to me. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that you get. Um, but man, like that, that kind of stuff, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, so I'm super, super glad that kids camp was a thing and still is a thing. And, and, you know, like I, after my first year, I was a cabin leader for, oh, I don't even know, four or five years. Um, something like that. Uh, Peter Alford was my cabin leader trainee, my first year that I was a cabin leader and that was an awesome experience. I think I was co-cabin leaders with Tim Rathwell um the next year or something. I don't really remember like how I kind of bounced around or who I had in my cabin and and all that kind of stuff, but it was kind of a lot of, you know, different unique experience. I think my I think my favorite years though were when I was the cabin leader trainee for Mark Kellington and when Peter was my cabin leader trainee. Um, those were kind of, because we just like in both of those situations, like we both, we had like this good dynamic between the two of us where like, I would say in both situations, you know, Mark and Peter were both very able to take control when, when necessary, you know, kind of get the kids in line. Um, whereas I was more of, you know, I'm just going to talk with the kids. I'm going to, you know, and actually, oh man think about like a million different things. Um, the year when it was me and Peter, we had like these kids and like, you know, there was this one guy in our cabin that was like super disrespectful at the beginning of the week, but like we just worked with him or we like, we, you know, talked to him like he was like a normal guy. And he was like one of the best kids in our cabin by like the middle to end of the week. He was like, you know, the one that was always like, guys stop bringing in your dirty shoes and he was like sweeping the cabin every day and it's like man like that was so <laughs> it was just such a good experience man 
Like I, I miss that stuff and it, it's too late for me to kind of keep on, you know, being a cabin leader, but the same kind of stuff is happening for the cabin leaders now. I'm, I'm guessing where they kind of, you know, it's also a unique experience because it's usually like the first time that you're kind of thrown from, I don't, this might not be true for everyone, but it's kind of the first time you're thrown into a leadership position and you're responsible for like a lot of people all of a sudden. Um, and it's just really like, you know, what do you do with that dynamic when you're put into that situation? Right. Um, and people handle it really differently, but it's, it's just really good to see that, you know, it's still happening. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I've, I, I've probably rambled on enough about kids camp that anyone that cared doesn't anymore. Um, and I'm sure if we had Ashley and Megan and anyone else that's, you know, done kids camp a million times on, they would, uh, they'd be able to ramble just as much about any number of things. But, uh, that's my spiel about it. I'm going to go through now because <laughs> what am I at around 50 minutes? I'm going to go through just some of the podcast topics, doc, uh, things that I added just today because might as well. And then maybe I'll talk briefly about stranger things, volume four, uh, the ending, uh, but I'll make sure that's like the last thing. Uh, okay. So really quickly, uh, relatively quickly. A Japanese former prime minister was assassinated today with a 3D printed weapon, or at least allegedly 3D printed. I near, like after reading the initial headline, there was kind of like mixed things like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't 3D printed. It might have just been like wood in a pipe. Um, but I think it's interesting. And I don't, once again, I, I don't like getting into the politics of it. Um, just a general thing is... Japan has very strict firearms policies. Like, I don't think you're allowed to have them, basically. I don't even think police carry around. I might be wrong about that, but I, I don't think the police carry around firearms. Or if they do, they, like, it's like a last resort, probably. Maybe they keep them in their cars or something like that. Who knows? Uh, but it's interesting that even in a society like that, um, if someone wants to do something like that, they'll still do it. <laughs> You know, uh, this person, from what I was reading, put together, you know, some pieces of wood or maybe 3D printed parts um, and then black powder from fireworks, which are readily available in Japan, I guess, uh, and then improvised bullets from, you know, whatever. It was it was a shotgun blast that only needed to work once for this person to get what they wanted. And they did. And this person died. And it's tragic that that happened. Like, it's it's not a good thing. Um at all <laughs> like it, you know it it's not a good story but it is an interesting story that this happened and that this can happen in a place with strict regulations like are there uh what else the rogers network outage i talked a lot about that already um an event called mogul money uh if anyone knows ludwig the youtube now streamer uh formerly on twitch he does a show called mogul money where it's um actually i have no idea which one mogul money is but it's some kind of event where you're trying to you know you've got like popular internet celebrity type people and they're playing games or something to uh to win money uh and he did a uh, mogul money live show in like this big sports arena i guess uh and he lost $150,000 on that event. 
He did not make that money. He lost that. Uh, even though I think some of the seats were selling for like a thousand dollars, like near the front, and you know closer to the back, it was something like sixty. I think that's what I was reading. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy that you know. And obviously, he doesn't mind. Or he probably won't do that same type of thing a bunch, just because like he's not as wealthy as someone like Mr. Beast. I don't believe, anyways. But um, you know, he got a pretty good deal when he signed on with YouTube. And he was already doing well when he was on Twitch. Like, he's not hurting for money, I'm sure. But this type of event, you know, it, it's it's not a good business decision long-term to continue doing things that are not profitable. So unless he can figure out a way, like maybe he could rent a smaller venue and, um, you know, only have the $1,000 seats or something like that. There's There's ways that it could be done where it would probably be more profitable. But, um, yeah, interesting thing. I mean, good on him for taking the loss in stride and kind of laughing about it, but it is, uh, it's unfortunate that it went that way for sure. And this is now your warning for spoil, uh, spoilers for stranger things. We'll probably, uh, if we get more people on the next time, we'll probably talk, you know, a lot more about it, but, um, I'll just give generally my opinions on it. So yeah, uh, spoilers starting... Three, two, one. Okay. Stranger Things Volume 4. I guess I haven't talked about any of it, so I'll kind of generally go over it. I think that Volume 4 is a lot better than Volume 3. Just in terms of, like, consistency and a lot of things. I I will say uh, the California plot really, really bored me. I did not enjoy it. The The ending of it was kind of cool. Like, it came together. Um, Argyle gets a lot of hate. I think that he's kind of just, like, a nothing character. I really... I don't dislike the character because it's kind of just like, okay, well, whatever. Like, he's just a stoner that's going along with them. It, it doesn't detract from the show. I think that turning Jonathan into a stoner was kind of like a... Okay, well, why? Like, you know, you uh, you have just added in a stoner character. Does why does he need to also be like a, you know, a, a weed guy now? <laughs> um, so I would say that that detracts from his character. But Argyle's kind of just, you know, he's fine. I don't I don't mind him. Um, but that kind of plot line where it's like, you know, what do they actually do? They meet up. You know, Mike and whoever... No, it's just Mike goes there. Mike meets up with Eleven and Will, and they go to a rink, and then she, like, assaults someone. They go back home. Um, That actually doesn't ever amount to anything, because then all of a sudden these people, you know, come, and they're like, oh, we're going to protect Eleven because there's people that want to kill her. And then the people that want to kill her come, and then they just barely, because they ordered a pizza, are able to... Uh, leave with Argyle at the exact right time to get away, <laughs> which convenience, but it's fine. It's not a huge deal. Uh, it's maybe contrived, but I I, don't, I didn't mind it that much. Like they set it up so it's like, oh yeah, this is going to happen, and then it it happened. Uh, but the you know assault on the house was kind of a random thing. Um, so there was that. The whole thing after that is like, oh, we gotta find Nina, and what the heck is Nina? Um, oh, actually, no, Eleven isn't even, even with them when that happens, because she gets, and actually, the Eleven in the lab thing starts out, I started out, like, 
this is so boring. We already know like the ending of this story. So like, who cares? Um, but as it gets closer to the ending of that story, you find out that, Hey, maybe we don't really know what's going to happen here. And then the twist in episode seven is done really, really well. I think it's episode seven, whichever one has the like mainly, you know, that lab centered storyline. I think that it's done really well. Uh, about halfway through that episode, I kind of was aware of what they were generally going for, but there was still some twists within that. Like I was able to, once again, spoilers, I'm sure anyone that doesn't want spoilers isn't listening, but I was able to kind of guess that Vecna was number one, but I didn't really think that number one was that weird kid from whatever, like the you know, that other story with uh, the Creole kid, whatever his name is. Um, so that was a unique twist. And then, you know, all three of them are like the, the same person. Um, so that, yeah, that, that was really interesting. It was really, really well done. Uh, I had no issues with that storyline. And I think that if I was to watch season four again, therefore I would enjoy those lab scenes more because it's like, oh yeah, this actually leads up to something really interesting. And it's like not what you're expecting. So you know, that's good. Um, what are the other storylines? The Russia one frustrated me a little bit. Um, you know, there was multiple points where it's like, okay, everything's going to work out. And then things just get way worse. And that just like keeps on happening. And then finally in the season finale, things actually kind of come together, but it like, especially at the mid season where it's like, you know, episode seven, what, like, where were they? I don't think that, I think that, like, the Russia storyline was kind of in a bad spot. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't actually remember. But, yeah, the, the Russia storyline is just kind of frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Okay, they finally got out. Oh, they're going back in? Okay, good. And then they uh, then they deal with the, the whole thing. And actually, I really liked how the Russia storyline tied in in the finale. Uh, because, well, I'll talk about that. A little bit afterwards. Let me just... Uh, what was the other? The other one is just like the actual... Uh, the town that they're in. The the, the regular town. Um, which, you know, is just normal stranger things for the most part. I mean, there's the whole like lynch mob thing. And that's kind of un a unique dynamic to, to add into it. And I do think it was kind of frustrating. You know, the, the, the character, whatever his name is. The, the idiot. I think his name's Jason. The like you know, varsity jacket, uh, jock guy that just wants to, uh, avenge Chrissy's death. Um, he's a frustrating character played really well and like, you know, it totally works, but it is really, really like they kind of almost wrote themselves into a corner. I feel like with that storyline where it's like this character and, you know, anyone kind of associated almost has to die because they're just like kind of you know, they're out for revenge and they will not and cannot understand. Like the only way that it could have possibly not ended with that guy dying is if he also got like sucked into the under dark or whatever the stupid place is, the upside down, uh, and saw the things that everyone else has seen with their, with his own eyes or everyone else knows about anyways, with his own eyes, um, uh, or like come face to face with Vecna. But even then, even if he saw Vecna, I feel like he would still think like, oh, you guys are cursing me now with your weird demonic stuff or whatever. And 
you know, it, it wouldn't, um, it would still go about the same because even, you know, in the situation where he sees multiple people, like the weird bone breaking thing happening to them, um, he's just like, oh, you guys are cursing these people. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. So, you know, that was, uh, that was a frustrating thing, but I would, I will say that the main storyline in whatever the stupid town is, I forget the name now because I can't look it up because I don't have internet. Uh, but whatever that town is, um, it's really well done. And I really liked that storyline. Now, as for the, well, the mid season or even actually there's the one, the episode, um, I I think, yeah, dear Billy, Ashley always talks about it. So I know the name, um, is a really, really good episode. It's the one with the running up the hill and, you know, Max almost dies. And then, uh, it's very emotional. It's like really, really good. I think that almost everything about that sequence is like perfectly done. Um, and it really makes you like, like all those characters involved so much more. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's just that, that, that was like perfect. I hadn't like nothing to add to that to make it any better. Um, aside from the fact that, and now once again, spoiler, 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 uh, the ending of this season where Max dies, then comes back, but presumably will be blind with severe issues with mobility even after the bones are potentially fixed because yeah they look gnarly um and also probably her soul is taken because there's nothing in the mind palace or whatever so that's not good for her uh so that if anything that retroactively takes away from you know the dear billy episode slightly because it's like oh well she got away from it but then her ultimate you know result is that anyways um I mean, if we're being optimistic, maybe she lost sight in one eye and maybe, you know, she can still skateboard after all this if they, like, save her soul from Vecna or whatever. Uh, But we'll see. It it would be really interesting. They could always go for a, like, you know, Lucas loves her regardless, even with whatever injuries um, that she may have gotten, which would also be very sweet, but it would still be a very, like, bittersweet end for, for both of them. Um if that's what they, you know, kind of go with in season five. Um, what else? Okay, I guess, yeah, finale talk, and then I'll kind of be done for the night anyways, because it's getting real late. Uh, I thought it, like, everything tied together really well. I think that, you know, even though they have characters in Russia, still they're able to contribute. Um, and yeah, once, okay, so... Like, all these different moving parts are kind of working together. But as soon as the characters get tied up by the vines in the upside down, and Eddie and, you know, Dustin are kind of running away, like, they're they're not going to come save them. They don't even know that they're in danger. Um, no one knows. Like the, th- the fact of the matter is, no one knows that they're in danger. And there was no way to fix that situation apart from the characters in Russia causing a chain reaction with the hive mind thing so i was like you know i thought about it for a couple minutes because there's like a long time between them getting tied up and then it actually happening and like 10 minutes later i'm like man there's no way for them to get out of this situation unless the you know unless the russia thing goes well so it's like okay well that's gonna that's gonna be like the it's gonna tie everything together and it really did It, it was like that was awesome uh the the whole russia thing happening and how it happened and you know it it just it was great. 
uh, so that was good. Um, I don't even know what to... Uh, the throwing the... Once they actually get to Vecna and they start attacking him, I loved that. That was, like, really, really fun. Um, sad that they didn't kill him, but... I don't really know how they would have resolved things. Like, imagine if they did kill Vecna there. They would have to have a bigger, big, bad, evil guy uh, for Season 5 that would be introduced in Season 5. Um... So it was kind of like obvious leading into the episode or at least with the context of the episode like halfway through that they can't kill him because you know you if you introduce a villain in season 5 and that's the last season that's like it, it's just not a good call I would say. Uh if anything it would have been maybe good for them to kill the you know gelatinous storm or something like that. They did have Hopper kill uh one of the Demogorgons, which was super sick, by the way. Um, but yeah, so I think that it went really well. I think that it was a really good kind of conclusion to this season. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, in three years when they release season five, what they kind of, how they conclude it. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> I got nothing more to talk about, I guess. So thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Taxed and Uncollected, and this is your host signing off. Have a good uh, day, evening, night, whatever, everyone. Talk to you next time. <laughs>